Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. All right, let's jump into things this evening. Let's jump into things this evening. Um, every year, one of the things that I try to do at the very beginning of the year is I try to give a little bit of a prophetic um, message for what I believe this year is going to be focused on and about as Saints Hill Church. Um, it, it, this is never like, thus saith the Lord, this is what we're going to do, and if you don't like it, then you've got to get out. It's not like that. But what I have found is that God loves to give invitations to people who are looking for invitations. That's how the prophetic work. God loves to give invitations to people who are looking for invitations. Uh, now, back in 2020, uh, a year ago, I gave a very similar message, and, and there were really two themes that I sensed for our church. Uh, the, the first theme was that God was giving us almost like this structural integrity to handle what he intends to pour out into us. So I used this example last week, but just like uh, the larger size a fish tank is, the thicker the glass walls have to be to contain the pressure and to hold the weight, the weightiness of the water. And what I felt like God was doing is that through the fear of the Lord, through giving us the fear of the Lord, he was actually thickening up our walls. He was strengthening us to have structural integrity to not contain, but to handle what he was intending to pour out into Newburgh. Uh, the, the second theme that I really sensed was freedom, was freedom. And, and, and these two things uh, really connect because the only people who can handle what God intends to do are people who are free. Free from sin, free from the cares of this world. And in my limited experience, I've been um, a part of church my whole life, 30 years, um, but I've also worked, I was thinking about this today, I've been, a, I've been working in church for about 10 years, um, and, and my, in my limited experience, I've seen that what quenches a move of God is control. People who are not free always want to control because their happiness is based upon the circumstances being what they want them to be. So what happens in a church that is seeking revival, renewal, we want to see all of Newburgh saved. We're going to talk about this tonight. We want to see it all. Is that if the people who are participating are not actually free in their spirit, free from the, the love of the things of this world, free from the, the binding grip of sin, then they will end up controlling the people around them in the circumstances in order to make things comfortable for them. And that quenches the spirit. And so I believe that what God has been doing is he's been developing this strength in us and this freedom in us so that we don't need our church to look a specific way, we just need his presence. We don't need that person over there to worship the way that we worship or learn the way that we worship. We actually have such a strong relationship here that we're able to celebrate the different ways that God encounters and speaks to people out there. It's very, very powerful. These are two things I think for the life of our church, as long as I'm here, we will continue to be growing and, and learning as a body. Now, 
Um, for 2021, uh, we had a staff retreat back in November, and uh, it was just a really, really fun time. We got away as a staff. It's the first time we've been able to do that. And I just had this sense um, on the staff retreat that at some point in the next two, three years, that God was going to be highlighting physical healing for our church, that we were going to be stepping into physical healing. Now, we have always prayed for healing. I don't know, if you have been here more than two weeks, you know that every week we pray for physical healing for people. We're passionate about it. But I just had this sense that what the Lord was kind of inviting us into in the next season, and season in the large sense of the word, uh, was a renewed focus on healing, and specifically physical healing. Fast forward another month, I felt strongly that God was actually wanting that season to be 2021. An entire year dedicated and focused on healing. And then my sister-in-law, Kylie, uh, she sent me an email about a couple weeks ago, and she had this word for the church. I just want to read this to you. This is, uh, this is pretty cool. She said, I felt like the Lord wants to prepare us to host and make space in our homes for people who will be traveling to Newburgh to be healed at Saints Hill. <laughs> This sense reminded me of when Mitch, that's her husband, of when Mitch and I went down to Bethel and we got an Airbnb for the night just to experience the healing rooms. I feel like we've gotten similar words for Saints Hill being a place where people travel to experience the Holy Spirit, but just wanted to affirm and share. This word just so gripped my heart as the Lord had had me in this season thinking towards 2021, and it really combined for me two things uh, that I believe this year will be marked by. An attractive church as a result of God being present to heal. An attractive church as a result of God being present to heal, or maybe more simply put, I believe that 2021 will be the year of healing and the beautiful church. It'll be the year of healing and the beautiful church. I'm believing that in 2021, we will see bodies healed and, and with healings we've never seen before. We're gonna see hearts healed, bitterness totally dissolve in people's hearts. We're gonna see people's minds get healed, just like a refurbishing of how people think and process. You know, um, we've always prayed for the sick and injured, but I sense there will be an increase in people being healed in this next year, and I believe that that will result in the attraction of people to this place and to this town and to this church. There's going to be an attraction, and so um, I, I guess I just wanna say in this message, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for risk. Prepare yourself for stepping out. Prepare yourself for being misunderstood. <laughs> prepare yourself that, that people may think you're kinda weird. <laughs> they will, they'll think you're weird. Okay, we take communion and we believe it's body and blood, so we're already pretty weird. Uh, go ahead and turn your, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. This is where I want to uh, focus on this evening, is Isaiah chapter 60. Um, Isaiah is a prophet to Israel, uh, was a prophet to Israel during the first exile to Assyria. And uh, a lot of his, um, the, the, the book is so amazing. The first real like 39 chapters are these uh, very powerful warnings to the people of Israel. 
Um, if you don't repent, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's the severity of sin that's confronting, uh, that my righteousness is confronting. And, and then once you get to Isaiah chapter 40, things just shift. Uh, Isaiah 40, it's almost like God's tone just completely shifts and he's like, comfort to you, peace to you, my love to you. Here's my promise for you and for your town and for your family and your city. And it's just so powerful. And, and what, I want, what I want to just kind of talk through is this, this moment in Isaiah chapter 60 that is, I believe, a prophetic vision where I see us in it. It's like, okay, how many of you guys understand that when we got grafted into Israel, we got grafted into Israel's promises? Did you know that? Yeah. When, when, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, 6.12, okay. Um, when Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he reads Isaiah 61 and he says, the, the, you know, the year of the Lord's favor, he proclaims it. He's like, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm proclaiming liberty to those who have been held captive. And it's just so beautiful. Um, he leaves out a line from Isaiah 61. He says, I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And right after that, in Isaiah 61, he says, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus doesn't say that. He just says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do people still need vengeance on them? See, the thing was is that Jesus is ushering us into an entirely new era where the vengeance of God has been taken out on him so now all he gets to proclaim is the year of the Lord's favor. Why? Because Romans teaches us it's God's kindness that leads people to change their whole lives in God's direction. And so we get this great privilege of looking back. Some people are like, are you just cherry picking the promises from, of Israel and just applying them you know, haphazardly to yourself? It's like, look, I didn't make it up. This is what every New Testament author did. <laughs> As a, as a believer grafted into Israel, I get to look at what God has intended for humanity and participate in it. What a joy. So I see us in Isaiah chapter 60, and, and I, I believe that what this describes is what happens to a place when there are people in it who reflect the presence of God. So let's read. Isaiah 60, verse one. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Pause for a moment. This is the call. This is the message for Saints Hill and for every believer. Arise, and shine because the presence of God is on you. It says the Lord rises upon you. So, so think about even the imagery here. What is God in this passage? What is he? He's a sun. He's the sun rising. Arise and shine for the light has dawned on you. What is this light? It's the glory of God. His presence has shone on you. His glory, it even says, the Lord rises upon you. So he's playing this role of sun. He's playing this role of light. So follow me, the Lord is light. A light has come, he's risen upon you, and his glory is like the sun. The glory of the Lord rises upon you like the sun rises. What does this mean? 
What this means is that his presence, his glory, can be physically felt. <laughs> if he's like the sun, his presence and his glory can be physically felt. Just, just like sunshine warming your face in the spring after a long winter, the presence of God has illuminated and warmed you. You can feel it, so arise and shine. See, in the midst of darkness, what happens when a people are marked by his presence and they shine, they become glorious in their lives and they actually begin to dispel the darkness around them. So, I mean, look, look down here. See, darkness covers the earth. We all know that, right? Doesn't take a prophet to see the darkness, right? We all know it. We can look at the news and there's darkness in our own country, in our own state, in our own families, all around the world, there's darkness. But this is why the Lord is looking for people who want to shine. He's looking for people who actually want him to rise upon them. And this shining, this arising is so attractive. Look down at your Bibles, verse three. Nations will come to your light. <laughs> Who's coming? Nations. <laughs> to whose light? <laughs> to whose light? Your light. <laughs> and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Whose dawn? Your dawn. See, I thought he was the light. I thought he was the glory. He is. He's just made it so that those who do not hide from his light, from his presence, but instead stand will be those who become light themselves. You become, think about this, somebody in darkness, somebody in light. Your job is to be exposed so that the person in darkness sees what's possible should they allow God to rise upon them. Verse four. Lift up your eyes. This is just the result of a presence-based people. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assembled, all assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. Think of all the trade routes in the world and the wealth that has passed through them. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. I just love that imagery. It's almost like you're standing on a cliff and you're looking out to the ocean and your family's been torn apart by darkness. It's been, you, you've been financially decimated by darkness. Your entire culture has been ruined by the darkness, but, uh, but you see a ship coming and it's your family, it's your children, it's your parents, it's your cousins. They're coming back and there's reconciliation. It's wealth coming to you. All because you said, I'll stand and I will shine. I'll be the presence based people and just watch what happens carried from afar it's the result of his presence on you this is glory on a people this is glory on a people nations come to your light wealth brought into your city 
sons and daughters that are coming home. I believe that this can mean families will be healed and brought back together simply by a people who choose to host God's presence, who choose to be the stewards of his glory and his light. I would like to put forth to you this evening that when your whole life is consumed with staying in his light and in his glory, you become the light of the world. You become a city on a hill. You become that lighthouse guiding those in darkness to the life that is really life. And this is an identity marker for Saints Hill Church. Um, this is one of, if not the primary reason why we planted this church. I believe that God has prepared Saints Hill for growth and for hosting people by blessing this house with his felt presence like sun on a summer day. Like, did you just feel what happened when we were worshiping together? Did you feel that? I just maybe need to mark it. That's his presence. You're like, I came in without peace and all of a sudden I'm sensing something I haven't sensed in years. That's his presence on you, shining into your heart, renewing your mind. It is my belief that God's glory is rising on us as a church and it will cause us to shine. Nations, wealth, family, they're all going to come. Now we know it's because of God's glory on us. We know the promise. But what does this church look like? What, what does this, this dynamic look like to those who don't yet know what the glory of God even is? Well, well, in the ESV, I have the NIV right here. In the ESV, this is how it continues. In verse seven, it says, they shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will beautify my beautiful house. Isn't that interesting? In verse nine, he says, for the coastland shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel because he has made you beautiful. Beauty. Verse 13, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary and I will make the place of my feet glorious. And in verse 19, he ends this way, he says, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your beauty. We know it as glory, but the world will see it as beauty because beauty attracts. Beauty is the thing that the world is after. It's the thing that, every, that beats within the heart of every human being. The beauty of a, of a pure relationship, the beauty of service, the beauty of a well-designed building or a nice meal, the beauty of romance and sex and love. Beauty. It's what we long for. And what we learn here is that God wants a beautiful bride so that his bride would be attractive. It would be beautiful to the world. What we know as kingdom, the world simply sees as beauty. It, it, what, what this describes is just what happens when a people come together and they say, we'll make him our king. He will be our king and, and we'll submit ourselves to his kingship. And all the empowering, all the protection that comes with that, I think in 2021, this church is going to be so beautiful, so attractive, so marked by the goodness of God that people go, wow, 
It's just so pretty. I, I talked to some people who they drive quite a long ways to come be a part of our gatherings. Like over an hour just to be here. And they're like, we just can't miss a Sunday because we never know what God's gonna do next. It's, he's, his presence is just so beautiful. What he does is just so beautiful. Do you know how many times I'll leave this gathering and there are still people up here being prayed for, ministered to. It's just the people of God coming around one another and just hosting his presence and saying, I believe for you. Even when you don't have faith, I'll have faith for you. God's not looking just for your faith. He's just looking for faith in general. I'll be the person who stands in the gap and just healing comes and heart change and life change comes. It's just so beautiful. I think that Newburgh is going to look at us this next year and they're gonna go, the way that they treat each other. Have you ever seen a church that speaks so well of each other? The way that they use their language is just always positive. It's always honoring. I don't know about you, I've, I've really honestly never been in an environment like that. And I think we have that here. I'll, I meet with you guys all throughout the week. I have literally in the past uh, two and a half years, I've never heard a single person say a negative thing about another person in this church. Not one time. Because we are so ingrained in us, we've been given surplus, we can afford to give it away. Even if I haven't been honored, I actually have the ability to honor this person for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. It's just so beautiful. The way that they pray, the faith that they have. Have you been to pre-gathering prayer? Sometimes we have a whole church gathering before we even have this gathering. And it's like, and Donnie a couple weeks ago, he's like, I think I just need to go home after that. That was just amazing. The way that they pray, the faith that they pray with, the, the way that they've made room for, for me. I think Newport's gonna come. People are gonna come. New believers will come and they'll go, they just made room for me. They didn't, they didn't need me to be perfect and yet they still pointed me to, towards truth while they loved me so well. The way that these people wait for the Holy Spirit, I mean, they really wait. They really create space. The way that they are generous with one another one of the most generous groups of people I've ever been around. One of the, um, <laughs> you know, competition can kind of be almost like a dirty word in the church, like don't compete with one another, just love each other. But there is one competition that the Apostle Paul tells us that we should compete in. And it is trying to outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> and I have experienced that. Like, you guys have so honored me and loved me and my wife, thank you. That's what I'm looking forward to in 2021. That's what this church is going to be in 2021. Now, there is a belief um, in the church that Christians really shouldn't be seen as moral examples, and, and maybe even really should, just shouldn't be seen at all. And the thinking um, sort of goes like this. Over the many centuries of Christian history, Christians have acted very unchristlike. And so, don't get society's hopes up. Don't tell them, to, don't arise and shine. Don't let them look at us. <laughs> we're not perfect, we're just forgiven. And somehow that gets us out of becoming Christ-like. I don't know, but it's like, we're not perfect, we're just forgiven. While that um, it is true, are we setting the bar low so that we can meet it? Just to kind of get the the public pressure of people watching us 
off of us? See, there's a difference between scrutiny and persecution, and sometimes in the church, especially the West, we mix them up. I mix them up. I'm like, they hate the church. I'm persecuted. Scrutiny is this. Are they who they say that they are? Are they the real deal, or are they just a bunch of hypocrites? We actually need that. But persecution is this. We hate them because they're like Jesus. High moral standard and incredible power. There is a good kind of societal pressure on the church that we should feel that recognizes we are designed to be on display. It's how we were designed. Arise, shine, your light has come. But the question maybe that you have, especially in this time, I know that for a lot of Christian leaders, this is the question that uh, they're asking right now is what if a Christian fails? What if like a really famous Christian fails? Does it just tar the whole name of Jesus? Well, if it was hypocrisy, we want the truth to win out, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do want to say this. If there is a Christian, and maybe this is you, if there is a Christian who isn't shining, they aren't beautiful the way that God intended them to be, then maybe they just haven't spent enough time in the light. Sometimes when we see lack in ourselves, we try to make up for it in the flesh, but really it's what God begun in the spirit. And so what you're trying to do in the flesh is actually driving you into the ground of self-effort when what's really needed is just simply surrender to allow him to just love you and shine on you again. We're told we love because he first loved us. So if I find in myself that I'm not loving, then I have yet to be completely loved in all parts of my life. A huge uh, misconception about Christians is that they claim to be moral perfection. Kind of, maybe you've heard that with the people that you work with. It's, I hate Christians. They all think they're so perfect and that they're right and all. It's a huge misconception. The truth is that Christianity is far more about relationship than it is about morality. Yeah. You're like, what? It's just that when he gets you relationally, he'll get you morally. Yeah. When he shines on you, you end up looking like him. Christians are people who simply recognize that they're not enough on their own and they have a source who, when they stay close to, makes them beautiful. So our message as believers isn't, hey, culture, be careful, he's God. Watch out. It isn't, hey, clean it up. He's watching and he knows all. It isn't even, hey, you've been warned, he's coming back. Our message is this to the world. Come and see and just imagine the beauty that you will be when he shines on you like he's shown on me. <laughs> That's good news. That's a better message. His blood is speaking better things. We're part of a new covenant, the covenant of the spirit, and it is a lot better than the old covenant. There's a reason why Jesus died. And if we don't live and speak all that he paid for, then we leave him on the cross for nothing. Here's where I want to uh, 
I want to land this evening. And this is going to blow your mind, Andoni, because this is exactly what you were talking about at pre-gathering prayer. It was my whole message that you were talking about, and I was like, I'm not going to tell him. He's going to just love this. <clears throat> that happens like nine times out of ten. I'll come to pre-gathering prayer. I'm like, I have this whole message. And I'm like, oh, so does Andoni. <laughs> or whoever, whoever's leading or whatever. Um, or we'll be in worship, and I'm like, every song is like, it's just what the Spirit does. It's unity. Um, God's presence always comes with a purpose. God's presence on a people always comes with a mission. In the language of Andoni, <laughs> earlier here, <laughs> the spiritual must be made physical. What happens in the spirit has to have evidence in the physical. Think about a crime scene. Think about even the word evidence. The evidence will tell an entire story of what happened behind the scenes? Does my life have fingerprint evidence on it of me spending time in glory? Is there a physical response of my life with my money, with my time, with who I pray for, who I stop for, who, who I'm generous to? Is there a physical response to what God has done spiritually in me? Uh, I love this passage. This is in Luke. Luke chapter five, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And notice this line. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Another translation, it says, and the power of God was present to heal. Now, it could seem like a throwaway line, but I think there's a key theological truth here. God's presence intends to do something through you. There's a reason for you becoming glorious, and it is power. It's power. We will be a people in 2021 that are equal parts presence and equal parts power. What happens when you worship one or the other? Here's what happens. You worship presence without power, and all your relationship with God just becomes about you feeling peace when you don't have any. You worship power over presence, and you become all about wacky experiences without the love of God leading to relationship. It's both. It's, it's his presence on a people so that signs and wonders and healing and the prophetic abound. I remember, as I think back on the past two and a half years, I remember the stories of healing. There, there was a gal who one time just stood up for her cousin in California who had a shoulder injury and said, I want to pray for my cousin in California vicariously through me. And that girl's shoulder was healed. She texted her cousin, hey, I, we just prayed for you at church. And amazing. I remember the story of there was a, a gal whose grandmother uh, had a stroke and she stood here in proxy for her grandmother who was in the hospital, expected to be there for like six weeks, a long time, and was discharged the next day. I, I remember the before and after photos of someone who was here and they had Crohn's disease and they were prayed for and they had before and after photos of after the prayer, completely clean, colon. 
I, I remember the gal who, this is one of the first ones, it's like so powerful, it's still on me because it's like one of the first times I saw God move powerfully in our midst. <laughs> I remember when you had, sorry, I remember when you had, you had hay fever and we prayed for your allergies and totally healed. It's just so powerful. I'll never forget. Right here, about a year ago, there was a, the look on the girl's face whose locked jaw was healed. Her jaw went back into place in a moment. It's just tears started streaming down her face. Healing matters because we become like whatever our view of God is. You will become whatever you think God is like. So you will likely not become beautiful if you never encounter the goodness of God. What is etched in my mind is how God's goodness, healing these people, touching them, affected who they became. What happened in their character? What happened in their soul? who they became months after when they got just a, just a sliver, just scratching the surface of God's goodness on their life. They became beautiful because they saw his beauty more clearly. I want thousands of those moments. I want thousands of those stories because when people experience God's healing, they experience his goodness, his beauty, and they become beautiful. See, we don't pray for healing because it's cool. Like, healing's cool. That's, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. <laughs> People, Newberg's going to think you're weird. They're like, can I just pray for healing? And they, they get healed in chapters, and they're like, oh, they're probably from St. Hill. <laughs> That's okay. We pray for healing because it's beautiful. A, a creator who knows you a God who cares enough about you to, to stop somebody else in your midst and just have them reach their hand out and pray for you. It's so powerful to be in a gathering like this and for you to hear your name and some issue that you've been going through and you go, I know there's a, a hundred people here, a couple hundred people here, and God just took the masses and he shrunk it down just to me and he's speaking to me. He's caring for me. Signs and wonders are not just something that the charismatics do. Signs and wonders are the very lifeblood of the kingdom. It, it, you, you cannot proclaim the kingdom without a demonstration of it. Yes. Yes. I remember when I got this. <laughs> it made me just burn. To, when I finally understood, I'd never seen somebody hold presence and power correctly. I'd always seen an imbalance. And I opted for what I could control, which was my own personal peace. But when I started reading through the scriptures and I started to see on every page of the New Testament that the church advanced through signs and wonders, it became beautiful through God reaching out and touching people through a people, I knew that I had to have it. I had to have both, do you? When Jesus sends out uh, the 12 disciples, he says this, as you go, maybe just pause right there. You know, sometimes we do this thing. Actually, take this off. Everybody's going to read it and not listen to me. Uh, as you go, sometimes what happens is we go, we're like, yeah, evangelism, yeah, 
healing. And so what we do is we go, we need a healing night. <laughs> as you go. In other words, as you're living your life, it's supposed to become a part of who you are. So that when you're in naps, you're like, I need to pray for this person. And when you're at your work and the conversation with your coworker turns to where they may be open, you have an answer for the joy that you have. It's as you go. I love, I love a worship night. I think they're important. I love a night where it's like, we're gonna focus on this thing. We'll do that. But how many of you guys understand that the power comes as you go? Okay, put it up there. <laughs> that wasn't even my, that's not even on here. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. You've been shown upon, so freely shine. My job your job is to become a walking encounter so that when people meet you, they meet him. So what does this all mean for our home, for, for Newburgh? What is this gonna mean for Newburgh? There is a uh, direct result to the kind of people in a land and the future of that land. The quality of a people in a place determine the future of that place. So a people may arise and shine and it will have an effect on what everyone else in that space receives as well, whether they fought for it or knew about it or not. Look down at your Bibles, verse 18. It says this. No longer will violence be heard in your land. And we pray for that over this country. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. What are walls? They protect a city. What protects this city? The people who arise and shine. Salvation. The design is that salvation would function as protection. So here's the truth. A place is only as safe as it is saved. A place is only as safe as it is saved. So arise and shine. We need to see a move of God's salvation over this town. That's the, that's the wall, but what is the gate? What does he say? And your gates will be praise. The gate of a city will often tell you what that city is about. So what's at the gate of our city? Place to grow. grow. Newburgh, a great place to grow. I can't tell you how many times that's prophesied over my life when I was at Fox, when I first lived here. What, when a people arise and shine, what does the city become about? It becomes about praise. How do people enjoy and enter the city? Through praise. So arise and shine. His vision for every town and city and place is to become so saturated with his light that the entire town is saved and that praise becomes what the town is known for. Verse 21, let's end here. It says this. Then all, everybody say all. 
then all your people will be righteous. Whoa. And they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot that I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. Arise and shine, and all Newburgh will be saved. <laughs> Just say that with me. All Newburgh will be saved. All Newburgh will be saved. The other day, I was, uh, just felt like the Lord asked me this. He said, could all of Newburgh be saved? Every person? And I was like, yeah. I'm not, I really thought about it. I thought, in my, life, in my life, could all Newburgh be saved? I thought, well, maybe a lot. <laughs> I'm like, probably a lot. Um, and I just felt the Lord say, I'll, I'll take that. And he said, he said, I'm building a church that is given to my every whim and just watch what happens. All of Newburgh will be saved. What does it say? Then all your people will be righteous and they will possess the land forever. I moved here uh, two years ago because I have a crazy belief that this small town, Newburgh, will play a significant role in sparking and sustaining the next revival to sweep this country. I didn't move here for any other reason. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me that it would be Newburgh, but we, we, we thought about New York. We thought about Berkeley. We thought about Oakland. We thought about so many other places to plant a church, and the Lord said, Newburgh. Okay, we were obedient. We came here. Newburgh has been known in the past by especially the early settlers uh, in the late 1800s as the Grubby End. Do you guys know this? It's like the nickname for Newburgh, the Grubby End. <laughs> and it's called, it's called that because it was thought to be the worst land of the Willamette Valley. Now, that's not, that's not saying too much because the Willamette Valley is actually, you know, an amazingly fertile place, one of the most amazing places in the world. And they're like, but that's the grubby end, Newburgh. <laughs> and it is a muddy place. I mean, I don't know about you. That's a lot of rain that we just got. And my entire backyard is essentially a lake right now. <laughs> We have super hard clay soil in the valley, and it's super saturated already with water, and so you add rain to it, and it, it's like, this is the grubby end. <laughs> I, I need one of you to just start a bar called the grubby end. Just please. It's like, somebody do that. We need it. After church last Sunday, I'm walking out to the car and I feel the Lord say, what was once called the grubby end will now become a treasure trove. <laughs> I was like, what? And he said, I am turning mud into gold. What was the least valuable part of the Willamette Valley has been shown to have gold in the soil. And what was once deemed the grubby end will be considered the place of the greatest treasure. Will you arise? Will you shine? Will you pray for healing and demonstrate the kingdom? That all Newburgh would be saved. All right, let's stand up together. And uh, actually, Andoni, would you mind coming up? I think we're going to do words now and um, have our prayer team. If you're on our prayer team, come on to the front. Um, I, I want to ask a, a couple things of you guys this evening. The first thing that I want to ask uh, is, 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 a, is a very practical thing. I want to ask that each of you would join me in some intercession for our city this year. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know um, 
what this year is gonna look like, what could be lost, or, or who was gonna get hurt, or pass away, or any of that, I don't know. Um, but I do know that we have a word about this year, the year of healing, the year of the beautiful church. I do know that. Um, I, I wanna ask you in this next uh, month, January, that you would read Isaiah 60 and declare it over our city. Every day, uh, it's just 30 days, less now, I guess it's the third, but um, that you would uh, take a time, it does, I don't care when it is, but just a time, and maybe it's even listening to it on, on your app or whatever, but you would take time to read Isaiah 60 over this place. And if you don't live in Newburgh, you live in Dayton or McMinnville or wherever else, over the valley, we're here for this valley that you would just read Isaiah 60, God's promise for this place over this land. I just believe it's gonna do so much. And um, I just feel like we're supposed to start here. Let's declare this over our city as just a way to, to begin this. So um, go ahead and in a loud voice, join with me. Let's all declare this over this valley. Arise and shine for your light has come. Arise and shine, the Lord rises upon you. We say to Newburgh, you will be blessed. You will grow in wealth. You will grow in forgiveness and the reconciliation of families. As the church, we will put the kingdom on display. We will become the beauty that you were designed to be. We will be a sign of your future. We declare that Newburgh will be a place of peace, a place of praise, a place of salvation, and a place where sickness leaves. And we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor over this valley for people's benefit and God's glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church.